Welcome to the Mental Hogs Podcast, sponsored by Kurtz Coolers. This is where we talk about past and future events for the Mental Hogs. Now, here are your hosts, Scott Bridge and Stevie Dom. Hello, and welcome to episode six of the Mitchell Hawks podcast. My name is Stevie Dom. I'm here alongside Mitchell Hawks general manager Scott Bridge. How's it going today, Scott? Oh, it's nice weather out there, Steve. Also, can't complain. It was a bit of a tough weekend for the Hawks as we get into our first segment of the show. The week that was sponsored by Born Home Produce, a locally grown sweet corn supplier. Fresh, sweet, and good to eat. Located in Bornholm on Road 164, open from July to September. This past week, the Hawks opened their second round series against the Hanover Barons, playing their first three games of a seven-game series. Game one was Wednesday night in Mitchell at 8.30. Um, it was a very similar game to game one of round one versus Goddard as Hanover got out to a 2-0 lead with a goal midway through the first from Drayton Howell and an early goal in the second from Joy Stymack. The game would remain at 2 to nothing until the third period, where after a push from the Hawks, they would score three three minutes into the third for, with a goal from Nolan Gagne. Uh, he would get assists from Andrew Geisbert and Tyson Hall. This would make the score 2-1. to one. The Hawks would then continue their strong play for the rest of the third, uh, controlling majority of play in Hanover's end. They would again then get rewarded with a with strong play on a four-on-three power play that would then turn into a five-on-three after they had pulled the goalie. The Hawks would then score with uh, 12 seconds left in the third with a goal from Tyson Hall, assisted by Braden Burdett and Charlie Rankin. Um, this would send the game into overtime, um, where unfortunately Hanover would score four minutes into the overtime to take game one, three to two. It was a very close game, Scott, in game one. Uh, both teams really battled hard. What did you see in that game? Well, the boys, they came out uh, buzzing. Uh, I thought that the, the um, uh, I thought the guys were, were well prepared uh, in game number one. The, uh, the buzz in the room was definitely present. Um, nice, uh, nice meeting before the game, coaches meeting with, uh, with the players, um, going over strategies and, uh, and going over the game plan. I thought that we uh, executed that quite well. And the unfortunate thing is um, we, just didn't have a, we just didn't get some bounces uh, go our way. Uh, that was the biggest thing. Go down one nothing, like you mentioned, that goal by uh, Drayton Howell to put us down one nothing. Um, we had some great opportunities before that to take a one nothing lead, but we, uh, we were just robbed by Riley McCabe who, uh, who played a stellar game and he's been stellar uh, all series long. So I thought that, uh, the boys deserved a, a better outcome than, uh, than what they, uh, they want, than what the game showed. But, um, all in all, we, um, we needed to repeat that in, in game two and three, which unfortunately didn't go our way. So a few bounces here and there, and, and it's a different ball game. Um, third period, I know we got two goals to tie the game. And um, in the second period, uh, Ryland McCabe uh, made two knob saves with uh, the knob of his stick in behind his head, which uh, which when you talk to any goaltender, you just say that's the hockey gods looking out for you. Uh, two of those and two posts. So really, there's, um, there's uh, four shots, and I'm just shocked, shocked one of those didn't go in. Yeah, and... Um, it was Josh Jacklin in net for Mitchell and Riley McCabe, as mentioned before, for Hanover. Um, both goalies played very strong in game one. 
Uh, it really could have gone either way. A couple posts from both teams, couple um, big saves from both goalies uh, at key times really kept the game close. And um, with Jacqueline giving the Hawks uh, a chance to come back after being down two nothing, because uh, without some of those big saves he made after the first goal and especially after the second goal, um, sometimes games like that can get out of hand. He uh, slowed everything down and uh, helped. The Hawks gain momentum going into the third and then generate those scoring chances that they did get. Yeah. Um, you did then mention game two on Friday uh, in Hanover 8 was quite a different game um, compared to game one. Uh, between the four-minute mark and the 10-minute mark of the first period, Hanover would get three unanswered goals from Joey Stymack, Dylan Richardson, and Harrison Verugia. Um the score would remain at three to nothing for the remainder of the first and all of the second, as both teams would trade chances. Uh, Hawks were having trouble solving Riley McCabe, uh, and it seemed to be it seems to be the the story in this series so far. He's going to stop whatever he sees, pretty much, Steve. And he's proven that uh, from the games that you've got on video, right? If you, if you don't get in his eyesight, it's it's going to be very difficult to beat Riley McCabe. He's he's a steady goaltender. He plays the position sound. He's quiet in the net. Um, we didn't generate enough off opportunities east to west, moving the puck back and forth. You have to get him moving in the crease because he's just so yeah. square to the puck. Uh, he, his rebound control is great. Um, I know the guys uh, uh, have had success going low off the pad and, and um, you know, it, you could see that they were uh, they were shooting it right where they wanted to, but uh, Riley McCabe didn't, then did such a great job utilizing his stick to steer pucks away into the corner, into the meshing, and um, and that's just one thing that, uh, that that he got used to with those shots down yeah. low. He was uh, really doing a good job um, getting uh, getting pucks out of harm's way. So he wasn't just kicking pucks out into the slot or kicking them to our guys coming in down the wings. He was. Um, he was executing his game plan perfectly and he's been doing that all year. Other coaches that I've talked to in the division um, have stated the same thing. They even, they've had a tough time scoring on him with shots that, that he's seen. You got to get in his face, uh, maybe double screen, double stack up front might, uh, might do yourself some, some good. So um, obviously some adjustments are, are going to be made and um, we'll see, uh, see if the guys can make those adjustments and then capitalize. And you mentioned um, earlier when you were talking there um, about getting pucks on net and bearing the rebounds and um, just trying to get him moving laterally. Uh, and with about a minute and 50 left in the third, um, that's exactly what the Hawks did with a goal from Andrew Geisbers, assisted by Mark Cassidy and Braden Burdett to make it three to one. Um, and that's exactly how that goal went in, just kind of shot from uh, short side, puck bounces out front and uh, – Guys, Bruce buries it. Yeah, it was a nice goal by Andy too, as well. This is exactly what he's been doing all season long for us, and didn't didn't surprise me when that one went in. Obviously, it was to break the goose egg, um, and uh, a big goal for him for his confidence. He was definitely rewarded with his hard play, and uh, it was nice to see him bury that. But um, you know, if we didn't fall asleep for six minutes in the first period, um, the last fifty minutes we won the game one nothing. Um, yeah. And so if if we if we would have capitalized and bared down on our chances in the first, it could have been a little different. But you know, we fell asleep. We had some defensive zone breakdowns that we watched on tape. And um, yeah, in six minutes, three goals. And if we could take those six minutes back, I felt we were the better team, believe it or yeah. not. 
And um, after they scored that goal, a bit of an energy boost, and they tried to pull the goalie with uh, about minute 50 left. Um, unfortunately, they just ended up running out of time. Like um, they were controlling a majority of the play through the third period in, in Hanover zone. And um, had they had more time, who knows what could have happened just um, based on how strong they're playing there in the third period. Yeah, it was a, it was a good third period. It was. And we, you know, we were kind of hoping that that was going to lead into game number three. And unfortunately it just didn't follow us uh, on the bus back to Mitchell's. So a uh, lot low shots for both teams in that game. I think Hanover had 23, we had 22 yep. and uh, six to five were the shots in the third period, but they were good opportunities. So we just have to uh, continue to, to find those good opportunities time and time again. Yeah. And uh, if they continue to play as strongly as they have, those opportunities will come like they, they have to, like, and uh, with all the hard work they put in, and it's, it'd be nice to see a couple of those bounces go in. Um, you mentioned carrying that momentum from the third over to game three. Unfortunately, that didn't quite happen. Um, they did control majority of play for through the first couple minutes of the game, uh, hitting multiple posts, forcing McCabe to make some big saves to keep it tied at zero. Um, despite the strong play there early on the first from the Hawks, um, Hanover would score with seven minutes and 36 seconds left in the first period with a goal from Peyton McIsaac. Uh, the teams would trade chances throughout the rest of the first and into the second. Then about five and a half minutes into the second period, the Barons would add to their lead with a goal from Carter Moran to make it two to nothing. We've seen it so far in the playoffs. If the Hawks can keep that game at two to nothing, um, there is a possibility to come back because they've done it multiple times uh, in the playoffs. Unfortunately, they didn't do it here. They would score three minutes into the third, making it three nothing from Nick Ferberger. Um, and, you know, um, despite the fact that it was three, nothing, uh, it was a very close game, uh, play wise. Yeah, it was that, that first period was very tight. It was a power play goal in the first period as well. They yeah. put Hanover on the board one nothing. And then, uh, we just, we just couldn't, couldn't seem to get our feet going on the power play and Hanover did a great job keeping us to the outside. Obviously, McCabe did a good job making that first save and, and not spitting out a rebound, doing a good job gobbling the puck up. And I think the one thing that hurt us was our was our penalties. I mean, um, Louis Livingston, Holden Lansake, Kenny Jacklin, Ben Nelson, they went over it time and time again about staying out of the box. Our backs are against the wall, and we take 18 uh, minutes of infractions in that game. Yeah. So, really, it's... Uh, um, if we don't take as many penalties, I think we've got a better chance of staying in that game. But um, yeah. our coaches did everything in their power to give the guys the tools to win the game. And, and it was, uh, it was them going out and utilizing or capitalizing on their opportunities. So uh, we can't sit in the box that much. If, if you want to, if you want to win a hockey game and uh, we've got to be the, the better team and, and we've got to want it more and um, you know, letting your emotions get the best of you. It's um it's, it's a hard pill to swallow. With the Hanover being up 3 nothing, the Hawks would get a, a power play midway through eight minutes uh, left in the third. Um, they pulled the goalie to make it a six on four because they needed to generate something, get a goal, get some momentum. But unfortunately, Dylan Richardson uh, for Hanover would cash in on the empty net, making it 4 to nothing, um, And that would be where the game would end. 4 nothing shutout for Bradley McCabe and the Barons. 
um, as they take a three to nothing series lead into game four. Um, and despite the fact that it was three nothing, um, it was a close game. And um, hats off to Riley McCabe, who uh, kept Hanover in that game through all three periods. Yeah, no, he, he definitely did. Uh, we didn't make his life too difficult in the second and third. He only had to make four saves in the second and nine and the third. And like I said, the first period was our best period of game number three. And uh, we, we, we just had to copy that uh, for the next 40. Um, and again, Hanover did a good job. Um, playing good defense and um, and they definitely uh, definitely frustrated us a little bit. So um, yeah, McCabe, but he yeah he did his job, but I wouldn't say his job was overly difficult in the second and third for sure. Yeah, and there there's just a couple things um, I noticed for the th- uh, first couple of games is um, the Hawks are just really had trouble um, generating slot chances. Um, they were they were in deep winning puck battles and just sometimes struggling to get that guy to the slot open looks. Um, oh yeah. And that's yeah, a credit, you know, somewhat to Hanover for boxing out really well, but sometimes um, it just seemed like they were struggling getting those slot chances. Our guys did a great job passing the puck around. I mean, give them yeah. credit for that. We were, we were passing it. We were finding each other. Um, they, again, it just, it just comes into that will and wanting to get into the dirty areas. And then when you get in the dirty areas, uh, you know, you do have to uh, tweak, tweak some things up. And uh, that's, yeah, Hanover did a good job um, keeping us to the outside. So um, there's definitely th- positives that we can take. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Even though I, even though I said you know we may have got um, outshot or, or or outplayed a little bit, we definitely have some positives. And and uh, the the guys um, are still positive on one another. And and it's just a matter of uh, now taking it one shift at a time and just one win at a time. And and we we can't uh, we can't control what's going to happen. Um, yeah in the second or third period of, of game four, we just have to control the first period and win that period and win the second period and then win the third period. And um, we can start building uh, up on little things. Um, and we're going to be, we're going to be successful. Yeah. And really um, despite the, the series, like the score of the series being three, nothing, it doesn't really represent how the play has been. No. Um, it, it was a four, nothing shutout um, in game three, but the play didn't represent that. Um, three one in game two, the play didn't represent that. It's really represented game one, and it's been a dogfight the whole series. Um, any of these games could have gone anyway. Uh, it just seems like whoever jumps on the board first seems to be able to, and it's been Hanover all three times, uh, take the game. And uh, you just need to beat McCabe three times, and that's something that not many teams have done this year. And I don't think anybody has so far this year in the playoffs. Yeah, it's it, you got to find a way to get to them. You really do. Um, once once we do that, then and uh, and guys can take note and and hopefully just continue to uh, to pepper them with shots. But you know, if we can get some good high quality rubber thrown at them in game number four, um, yeah, the guys will uh, the guys will eventually bury some here. Yeah. Um, before we move on to our week to come segment, we want to give a huge shout out to MCR and Mitchell for sponsoring our bus for game four It is greatly appreciated. All the boys love the bus rides to and from games. So thank you to MCR and Mitchell. Um, now on to our second segment of the show, the week to come sponsored by E and F masonry, a brick lane company owned by local business owners and Hawks alumni, Perry Francis and Tim Eckmeyer. Um, Hawks will be on the road Wednesday for game four in Hanover. Uh, that game will start at 8 p.m. 
Um, if the Hawks win that game, they will play game five Friday night in Mitchell at 730. Um, if the Hawks win Friday, game six would be Saturday at eight o'clock in Hanover. And if the Hawks win that game, game seven would be Monday at 730 in Mitchell. Unfortunately, if the Hawks lose any of those games, their season will be over, and we are looking for an opposite outcome of that. What are some of the keys uh, to that the Hawks can take into trying to come back in the series? I just, yeah, just mentioned it a few minutes ago. We just, yeah. we just have to win, uh, uh, keep winning periods. That's our, that's our biggest thing right now, and then, um, and then capitalizing on that. Um, Obviously, the old cliche, staying out of the penalty box. Uh, we really do have to stay out of the box if if we want to keep uh, Hanover off the score sheet because they've got a, a lethal power play. So we um, yeah, just have to take one period at a time. That That's all it is. Uh, we know we've got a, a strong defense core that's very deep that um, – that can uh, can slow the play down. We've got a great goaltender that's made some big saves uh, throughout the regular season and in the playoffs here. So uh, we know that Jacqueline's uh, going to be ready to go. We know our defense is going to be ready to go. We know our forwards are going to be ready to go as they've had a lot of energy in the first three games. And I think it's, it's Steve-O, it's only a matter of time until that just loses yeah. out of them, right? So um, the, the energy's there. The they, they just, you know, we just have to get some bounces. and. Um, I know uh, watching all three games, it's it's just we just haven't seemed to get that one bounce that we've deserved right now to to uh, to give us the upper hand and, and steer us in a different direction. Yeah, and I know this will make a lot of Leafs fans cringe a little bit, but um, as a Habs fan, I remember very vividly um, when they were down 3-1 to the Leafs in that series uh, a couple years ago, and the whole thing for them was – still believing and believing in the system, believing in the team, believing in the coaching and having strong goaltending, which the Hawks have all of that. They have the belief, they have the talent, they have the goaltending. Um, it's just a matter of fact of coming out, taking it game by game and um, trying to get the best results you can. Right. And yep. that's what the Hawks are going to be looking to do. Yep. And the believe is huge. And like I said before, the, our coaches are, are putting systems together that, uh, that, that do work. They do work, right? I mean, Holden Lansing brings a, a lot of place to the table that uh, that they worked at the junior B level, and uh, and and bringing it uh, to our team, we're very fortunate. Um, so yeah, if if we can utilize those systems that the coaches are working on them with practice in practice, and then capitalizing in the game, we're going to be successful. But uh, we just have to capitalize on those uh, on those systems and 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 believe in in the talent that we've got. Um, we've we've assembled a team together that that's four lines deep. Um, that Louis done a, and Kenny Holden have done a great job uh, rolling through all year, and um, not too many other teams. Our division will run four lines consistently like we do. So we believe in our depth. We believe in our top six, and we believe in our defense and goaltending. And and uh, we know that our bottom six is going to be there for shutdown and also throw in some goals here and there. So um, yeah, we, we've we've got what it takes to to win some big games here. So let's go out and do it. Yeah, and you mentioned, and I've mentioned a couple of times uh, in the show so far, is the coaching staff and Louis Livingston and uh, the, the rest of the Mitchell Hawks coaching staff, and that will lead us into our guest segment, which I'm very excited about today's show. Our guest interview today will be sponsored by Larry Hudson, Chevrolet Buick, and GMC dealership. Established in 1984, it is a family-run automotive dealership, ensuring that your vehicle shopping experience is seamless and stress-free. 
They're located on 1000 Wallace Avenue in Listowel. Our guest on today's show is Mitchell Hawks head coach, Louis Livingston. Louis has coached the Hawks for two seasons. Last season, when he led the Hawks to a Pollock Division title, and this season where he and the rest of Mitchell Hawks coaching staff won Coach of the Year as well as Coaching Staff of the Year and is looking to help the Mitchell Hawks claw back into the series against the Hanover Barons. Welcome to the show, Louis Livingston. Thank you very much. Hey, Lou. Hey, how are you? Yeah, we're doing great. How are you doing? I'm fine, thanks. As mentioned before, this is your second year coaching the Mitchell Hawks. Um, what has been your experience like so far as a Hawk? Well, it's uh, been a pleasure to coach the Hawks, and uh, as you said, Winning last year, that championship just made it that much better. Um, the executive, the management team, the coaches, the players, the fans, they've just all accepted me and and in the community. And that's all that matters. You know, you got to hope everybody gets along. You try to do the right things. Hopefully everything comes out on top in the end. And sure enough, it did last year. So this obviously right now you're coaching for the Hawks. Um, did you coach anywhere else in at the junior level before you coached the Hawks? Well, I I started off. Uh, I did coach with the Wing of Ironman for a few years. Uh, I went to Hanover for a little bit, and then I was an assistant coach with the uh, Listowel Cyclones for a few years. So that all helps for experience, what you need to do to carry on to coaching. You try to learn as much as you can as you go from team to team. And that's exactly, you did learn from past teams and what makes them successful. Do you have any stories or memories from um, your time with either the Ironman or the Cyclones or any of your other coaching um, experiences that um, come to mind when you think about coaching for them? Well, uh, I have some great, uh, some stories that winning, in 2003-04 with the Wing Environment team, I was very fortunate to have a good bunch of guys. Uh, that year, we went through on a long run, and we got to go to the All-Ontario Finals, which is really great. Um, that's when CKNX started doing the play-by-play, -play and Billy Brown started going down to the games. And, and those memories like that, they last forever. Um, 2013, 14, again, we got on a big run and we got put out by, uh, Essex, but those long bus rides, they're just, you just never forget those things. And, and, and of course, you know, last year that was winning that championship in Hanover. And that, that was something I'll never forget. That really was a great time for not only you, but the rest of the team and the whole community because they really did get behind you. Um, and you've obviously been coaching for quite a while now. Um, what originally got you into coaching? I think the first time I started coaching was my uh, daughter Ainsley. Um, and she was playing ringette, and I started that. Um, and truthfully, 44 years ago, I won a silver stick with the juveniles here in Listowel. Um, I've won a couple all Ontario juvenile championships, helping out coaching and, you know, those years, it just helps you. Uh, I just love coaching. Um, I love the, everybody around you. You just learn so much from everybody else. You've mentioned already a couple of times, cause it was such a, 
important moment. Um, last year, you led your team to the Pollock Division title. Um, what was that experience like being around that specific team with um, a lot of those players, especially after um, that all that time off from COVID? Um, what was it like coming back from COVID and um, winning that Pollock Division and that whole the whole storyline that uh, was around that team? I was just so very fortunate to be asked to coach that team. That team was uh, so close. They hung around together. They were just a great mix of guys that really wanted to win. And they had that winning in their blood that they were going to do it. And winning that last game in Hanover, the bus ride home and the party after, that's something that you can never forget. You can never bring back the memories like that, how good that tasted. And I, I just wish that, you know, you want that to happen every year for every team and for the younger guys on the team to feel that. That's just, it's it's something that you cannot relive. Really at the junior level and the junior C level, it really is all about um, the memories you make. And, um, none will be bigger for some of those players than uh, that time playing for the Hawks. Um, other than you mentioned Hanover and the bus ride home and the parties, um, was there any memories um, before uh, you guys ended up winning it that really stuck out to you or any memories um, during? From that uh, last year, you know, Good Friday could have been any better to win on a Good Friday in Mitchell. To lose that game in overtime, that was a heartbreak. And losing her captain on for a shoulder injury, you know, that's, it, it looked bad for us for a Saturday night game in Hanover. And I remember I got a call from Malcolm McLeod on a Saturday morning saying, I can play tonight, I'm gonna play. And I said, how can you do that? Because your arm was in a sling the night before. He said, just don't worry, I'm playing. And for him to be there at that game and for the rest of the players, that just brought that team right to the top. And also when he scored that goal in the second period to make it four nothing, that was just, that was the icing on the cape for that team. So, you know, those memories like that, that's what you, you love. That's yeah. what hockey's all about. Yeah. And like, um, just for an example, my grandfather, uh, played on the 72 70 or 73 74 team um that went all the way to the lmha finals um and though him and like any of the players on that team those memories um are what that keep that team alive and that's just they continue to tell those stories because uh, that time was so important to them and um that'll be a very, the same thing for all those players from last year and it's great to hear um, some of the stories uh, that you have in their very uh, cool to listen to, and I'm just grateful to be a part of uh, this podcast where you could tell them. That uh, 2013-14 Wingham Ironman team, um, that was uh, that was my first opportunity to ride uh, the bus with the Ironman Lou uh, as I was with the CKNX team and uh, up to Penetang for round one and then Essex for round two. Uh, you touched on it there. Um, those... Uh, that was a long trip down to Essex, and those can be some those can be some late, late, late nights getting home at three, 
3.30 in the morning uh, when you get three or four hours of sleep. Um, how did you... How'd you, how'd you keep it all together when, with, 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 you know, being on top of your game with coaching and, and just with so much going on in the lack of sleep? Well, that's something you go on very little sleep because you, sometimes you just don't sleep too much after a game or you think about it the next get, day, what you have to do for the next game. And that it's always, you're, it's always in the back of your mind. And um, I guess you do think of those long bus rides. You have time to, it's good, but it wears on you. But I think you just have the players to rely on. You have them to talk to how they're going through it, how they're coping. You know, that that's what you get your strength from. And, you know, and I think it just starts building. You know, you win the league and then, you, you know, that was a great run in Penetang. And they were a really good team. And, you know, just for... The community, just like Mitchell last year, when you see the fans in the stands, that they love it, they get behind you. That's what keeps you going. You know, that's that's what motivates the coaches, the players, and that's what they they just dwell on that. They love that, and that's what it's all about. You mentioned there um, relying on the players and communicating uh, with the players. Uh, few episodes ago we had uh, the current Mitchell Hawks captain Mark Cassidy and, and we asked him what it was like um, playing under you and he said he's never had a coach as open with communication and communicating with his players about game plans or what he's thinking uh, was that something that was always part of your coaching style or is that something you adapted over time uh, where did that come from well uh I've always had an open door that I love to talk to players. And I've always said, no matter what, if you want to talk, you come and talk and I'll give you a straight answer. I think communication is the biggest thing you got to have with players. You got to be able to say, you're not playing tonight and you got to tell them why. And hopefully they realize it and hopefully they're a better player for it. But being truthful, being honest, and, and that's what it's all about. And that's why. I love, you know, you see hockey players from past teams. You see them at the rinks. You see them at the golf course. They come up and talk. And that's that's what it's all about because I always wanted to talk. And I'll talk to them. And they always come and see me. And that's that's the good part about it, being open with everybody. You got to. They're, they're your friends. You treat them like sons and uh, you want the respect back yeah that it, it's unreal lou every every road game this year i've lot honestly lost track of how many times uh, when i'm leaning up against the wall someone will come up and and say uh, when lou comes out of the dressing room can you can you tell him i want to say hi or yeah so then i make small talk with him so who are you well you know lou coached me back in 2008 or 2003 or 2009 or or even well my my son played for lou and or my um and i'm his mom we oh we we used to chat all the time and um it's just it's it's unreal everywhere we go people are are asking for you and uh uh so you've got i know you've got a lot of respect uh, around the league and and you have uh you have made a lot of memories um, with uh, with a lot of guys, uh, hockey players here over the years that, that are great memories. It's a little story I have. Uh, when I used to play in Milverton, I used to play with Barry Dietz and Bill Quip. And now 
I'm coaching their grandsons. And that's when you've been in the business, maybe sometimes too long, but that's, you know, I see them and then I see their grandsons, you know, and that, that's, that's makes it so much nicer to see that. And uh, I've been lucky to, you know, a few generations or come through and be able to come back and get recycled. And I just want to thank everybody for giving me the opportunity to do that because uh, not everybody gets to coach in good places that I have. And I really appreciate that. Well, you definitely uh, deserve it, Lou. That's for sure. Yeah. And you, you're a great coach, honestly. Um, I, I've played and many of the guys um, that are on the team this year, I'm pretty good friends with. And they all say that um, they've never had more fun uh, playing hockey than playing under you. And it's great to hear, um, especially the Deets boys. Like I've known them my whole life. Um, I just kind of want to segue that to more current times because um, I just want to get your take on a couple of things coming up this season or things that happened this season. Um, you mentioned the Deets boy, um, Dawson, uh, he and a couple of the other younger guys have really started to, to make their mark on this team and in the junior C level. Um, what's it been like uh, seeing them transition into this, this league and um, things that you've noticed from them? When I first got into coaching, when a rookie come into uh, first year or so, sometimes they wouldn't see much ice time. But these players now that they've come up through AAA, they've went through the ranks. They're good hockey players. And you got to give those kids the chance, you know. Um, we've had some good 16-year-olds, Jamie Huber. We've had Holden Lansing. I've had them when they were 16-year-olds. And those guys, you just got to let them play because they're that good. And that's that's how they'll get better. If You, you got to let them play because as the season goes on, they'll start to shine and they'll get better and better and better. The more ice time they get and next year these guys will be that much better for what they've got this year right and they it's really cool to see them improve as much as they have and it's all uh thanks to you and the rest of the coaching staff for helping them get there and getting their confidence up um uh, as they move on for the rest of the series um i just had a question about just playoffs in general uh what's the key to keeping a team motivated um not only throughout a whole season, but also through a deep playoff run um, like last year or even this year. I still go back to that communications. You know, uh, you you got to talk to them. You got to keep them pushing. You got to say that uh, there's no other thing than winning. Winning is the only thing that matters. And you got to dig down deeper to find that and just to push them and keep pushing. And that's, that's what it's all about. They, they got to accept that. Um, some guys get their backs up a little bit, but you still got to keep harping on them. You, you got to do the right things. You, you got to get those goals and get them at the right time. And they're all for your teammates. Everybody's for the team and you win those little battles. You get that extra goal. That's that makes everybody happy and you win as a good team. And, Right now, as you lose, is a good team too, and that's the hard part about it right now. Um, obviously, uh, as mentioned before, you're down in the series against Hanover. Um, what's the key to staying positive um, and getting back into the series? You said it right there, being positive. You know, you you got to be positive. Uh, we played some 
good games. You know, that last game we got a few penalty troubles, but I don't know how many times we've had a penalty-free game like we did in game two, and that's what we've been harping. You know, we had our chances. We know McCabe is a really good goalie, and we just have to find a way to score. And if, you know, we get we get an inch, you better luck out. You know, we want that little chance, and we ever get a chance, then we're gonna we're not gonna quit. You know, that's this team won't quit, and I know deep down every one of them they're gonna be they're fighting hard. Game four, you know, like that. It's hard to put somebody away, and we're not going to go away easy. Well, um, thank you, Louis, uh, so much for coming on today's show. We really appreciate um, you giving us your time. Um, is there any final remarks or anything you want to say to people watching um, before we close off uh, this segment and the show? Well, I just hope I haven't bored you too much. And uh, to all the fans and everybody, just keep praying, and we're – we're going to be fighting on Wednesday night. So hopefully we see you Friday night. That's all I can say. Thank you very much, Lou. Um, you definitely didn't bore anybody. I was fascinated with everything you said. So um, I'm sure Scott and everybody else uh, was too. Yep, um, yep. So thank you very much for coming on. And uh, we'll be sure to su come out and support you guys on, on Wednesday. So uh, thank you very much, Lou. Thank you. Thanks, Lou. Appreciate Cheers, Scotty. it. Yep. Uh, that will do it for our show today. Uh, be sure, to, if you're willing to go to Hanover on Wednesday to come out and support the boys in game four. Um, we'll be net back next week for episode seven. Uh, be sure to like, subscribe, uh, and share this video to all your friends. Uh, be sure, if you haven't already, check us out on Spotify. Uh, any final remarks, Scott, before we completely close off this show? Just echoing what Lou said, he said it perfectly that we're not going to give up. We're going to keep battling here. Um, I guess it's just one period, one game at a time. And um, I guess my final remark will be uh, we'll see you Friday night in Mitchell. Right on. Um, just before we close off, I wanted to mention uh, apologies for no highlight reels um, from game two and three. I was under the weather. Um, there will be one for game four. So uh, stay tuned for that. Um, thank you guys all for watching. Um, please sure to return for next week uh, and we'll see you next time.